0: Hi there everyone. I'm trusting that you're really enjoying this series as I am and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us very powerfully today. We're going to be looking at Family Life Boosters Part 5 and specifically today I want to focus on Displacing Counterfeit Voices. Very powerful stuff. Displacing Counterfeit Voices. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word and the word of your power. And we open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. And we say, come and transform our family lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In Jesus' life and in his ministry, at key moments, we get to see the significance of the voice of the Father. For example, at baptism, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says that, and a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Now, this was going to be a dominant part of Jesus' life, okay, where he was conscious of the Father's voice. And it's amazing because here we see how Jesus was assured of the Father's love and the Father's delight. You know, today so many people will say, My Father loves me. Paul, I know my Father loves me, but I'm not too sure whether he delights in me or not. And here, Father God affirms Jesus and says, this is my son whom I love, my beloved son. Okay, that's where we get the name David from. That means the beloved from God. My beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The Father's pleasure. Jesus had not performed any miracles. His ministry had not yet started, but the Father was pleased with him. And so Jesus had that voice in him, the voice of the Father, and he needed that reassurance, didn't he? I mean, when he went into the wilderness straight after that and was being tempted by by the devil, it was this voice of the Father that would have sustained him because the devil was trying to tempt Jesus to get into performance mode. If you really are the Son of God, then do this or do that. But he had the voice of the Father in him. For me, I think this is so amazing. This is the power of the voice. And we need to displace counterfeit voices in our lives and fully embrace the voice of the Father. We see this also in the transfiguration in Luke chapter 9 verses 34 through to 36. It says, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Isn't that amazing? Don't you feel great when you have a fatherly voice instructing people to listen to you? Hey, this is my guy. Listen to him. I remember I really appreciated when I would play uh, football, and I remember one time the coach said, "This man has got speed. You must pass the ball to him. He's got speed. We need goals." I felt so affirmed. And here we see at the transfiguration, Father God's voice coming through saying, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at the time what they had seen. It was very significant, the transfiguration. So when Jesus saw what his father was doing and heard what his father was saying, it made him aligned with the father and he spoke forth that which he saw and heard and in this day and age in our families in our businesses we need to be seeing what the father is doing and doing those things and hearing what the father is saying and uh, following through with what we hear him saying it is so so crucial you see in john chapter 5 verse 19 it says jesus gave them this answer very truly i tell you The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do, he can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now we know that the son, we know that Jesus did many things. So he must have seen the father doing many things. And my question to you is how dominant is that father's voice? in your heart and in your life. How dominant is that vision of what Father God is doing, your heavenly Father, in your life? And I find it interesting because Jesus makes a strong statement. He doesn't say some of the time the Son does what he sees the Father doing. He says the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. So Jesus didn't do anything except he first saw the Father doing it. That's a very powerful statement right there. Elijah also experienced God's voice in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12 through to 13. It says, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, God locates you. And he's asking, what are you doing here? Wherever you are, he locates you. And it's important to be able to locate yourself in scripture. And maybe this is you. You're a bit like Elijah. And it's interesting because God's voice wasn't in the earthquake, okay? Wasn't in the fire, but it was what's what's often called the still small voice. Or in this translation, the gentle whisper. And you see, it's not always a booming voice. Sometimes it's a gentle nudge. But it's important that we know the voice of the Father. Because the enemy's strategy is to displace the voice of the Father in our lives and have other voices, counterfeit voices, become dominant. And I'm going to show you just now that he uses the family structure to do this. This is the enemy. He uses the family structure to do this. Jesus expects us to be the same as him with regards to this. How we live stems from what we see And it also stems from what we hear. How are you living right now? I'm telling you, your answer will show me what you're hearing and what you're seeing. We live out what we see. We become what we behold. What are you seeing and what are you hearing? Very important. In Matthew 4 verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, this is is when he was being tempted by the devil, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Or well, what should man live by? But on every word that comes from the mouth of God, some translations read, but from every word that proceeds from the Father, from the mouth of God. Now, My question to you is, what is the preceding word right now in your life from Father God? In that difficult work situation you're in, what's the Father saying? In that difficult relational dynamic you're going through, what is the Father saying? Are you living your life based on every word that is coming from the Father? Every word or some of the words? No, every word. You see, people are destroyed by their hearing. This is what people need to understand. You're destroyed by your hearing. Someone can speak to you, but it's how you hear that determines your response. It's how you hear that determines your response. And that's why I always say we're not destroyed by our experiences. We're destroyed by the story we tell ourselves of that experience and how many times we rehearse it, all right? You see, the, un- the enemy understands this. He understands this. So he attempts to control family life, he attempts to control family life by uh, this principle. It's important that we identify these counterfeit voices in our lives. So crucial. You see, these voices will cause people to run away, They'll cause people to murder. They'll cause people to fight. They'll cause people to hate. And sometimes they come in the form of scramblers, what we call scramblers. And these are demonic spirits that distort what's been said, you see. And so we need to embrace the spirit of truth and compare our thinking to the voice of the good shepherd. So many fights, so many arguments, so many divorces are taking place today simply because of how we hear. When we understand this, we begin to embrace the voice of Father God. In John 10, verse 27, this is Jesus speaking. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You will only follow Jesus to the degree to which his voice is dominant in your life and the degree to which you listen to and obey that particular dominant voice. See, as we relate to each other in our families, we ought to be thinking of what God's heart is toward the other family members. And our role, our job is to reinforce that heart and that voice to each other. So crucial. And so the question I wanna ask you is, are you representing the Lord in what you say to your loved ones? Or are you being used as an instrument of the enemy to reinforce the counterfeit voices? We need to understand that the voices that are dominant in us tend to be the ones we pass on to others. You see, sometimes we will scream at people, we'll scream at others because we can hear a parent screaming at us most of the time. You pass on how you see yourself. You release words based on what you are hearing. So what you are hearing is crucial. Now, when God's voice is dominant, it becomes easier for you to identify the counterfeits. When I know my wife's voice, if someone comes and says, oh, it's Tracy, you know, there are times when my kids will pretend that they're their mom, okay? But I can tell, no, that's not Tracy's voice because I know her voice. We must know the voice of the Good Shepherd so that when counterfeit voices try to control our behavior, we are conscious of them. You see, we can call these inner counterfeit voices, we can call them inner villages. Inner villages. These are villages that live within us. And for many of us, we've allowed them to do so. And we need to understand the power of these inner villages, And we need to displace them with the voice of the good shepherd. When you see the choices that you make, when you yield to these inner villages, it will ignite you into a process of practicing God's presence and continuously hearing his voice, not the inner villages. So what do inner villages do to us? See, inner villages are basically perceptual distortions of our current reality. They cause us to hear something much louder than what's actually being said. So someone speaks to us at 20 decibels, but we're hearing it at 80. And why is that? You see, the thing that they say to us triggers an inner mechanism that's already in us and has been in us for years through wounding. And see, when we understand this, we're able to actually reframe situations that have already escalated emotionally. There are times when we can talk to each other, my wife and I, and she might say something and I might react and she might say, my love, I was at peace when I said that to you. It's not actually a big issue at all, but the way you're reacting, are you sure it's not an inner villager? Then I have to be honest with myself and say, maybe it actually is an inner villager. And I have to understand that, wait a minute, the thing that triggered me is not so much what she said, but She said something at 20 decibels. I'm hearing it at 80 because of this inner mechanism at work in me, these inner villages. And it's up to me to deal with those inner voices. It's up to me to uproot them and to have them displaced by the voice of the good shepherd. This is so important. And in your family setup, it's so crucial when you actually talk about these inner villages, you know, and you call them out for what they are. There's some people who actually give them names, okay? This was Freaky, okay, who was speaking to me. It wasn't Jesus. You know, we can actually break these uh, inner villages into different categories. And I'm going to show you that in a moment, all right? I'm thinking of, uh, for example, my wife. She grew up in a family where when they went on holiday, they had to be quite task oriented, quite focused. If you parked off in a corner reading a book, you could be seen as antisocial. Her dad, he's mellowed out um, quite a bit now, but when they would go on holiday, it was quite high octane. Okay, we're all climbing this mountain, right? And uh, you couldn't keep people waiting. And uh, my father in law is like that even today. If we say, uh, okay, kids, uh, grandpa says he's coming at three. Um, but you know you have to be ready by quarter past two because he's on time, he likes being early. And uh, And interestingly, I've noticed this is passed on to my wife because one of her triggers, one of her inner villages is when she keeps people waiting. She doesn't like that. I remember one time we were traveling together somewhere in the same vehicle and I got into the car first and I switched the engine on. I think I just wanted to be warm. I wanted to listen to some music or something. The sound of the engine just being on triggered a mechanism in her. She came rushing to the vehicle and was uh, apologizing to me saying, sorry, sorry for keeping you waiting. And I'm thinking to myself, you weren't keeping me waiting uh, and we're not actually late. Everything is actually fine. So what happens is when we have these inner villages in us, sometimes it triggers this inner mechanism which gets us into a triggered state, okay? And very often unnecessarily. So there are different types of inner villages. And I want to highlight three today. The first one is parental voices. Now, when I talk about these inner villages, I'm obviously talking about the voice of the flesh in the parent, right? So if your parents often showed signs of irritation when you wanted to speak to them, perhaps you now struggle to ask someone for help, right? Maybe you're the kind of person who always says, I didn't want to bother you, okay? Because you can hear a voice saying, stop bothering me. And we see this happening in psychology, we call it transference, where you transfer what happened in one particular relationship when you were growing up to another. Right. You can hear a voice saying, uh, stop bothering me. You know, sometimes it's a feeling you have, but nevertheless, it's a mindset that is developed in you based on that parental voice. And this, in turn, ends up affecting how you relate to other people. You might find that you distance yourself from those who actually want to connect with you because you're thinking you're bothering them. But it's actually a lie that you've believed. But it was something that was drilled into you way back. And your parents might have done it unintentionally, but it was how you were hearing, how you were hearing. Can you see? Jesus heard the voice of the Father continuously. So any other voices, they were displaced. Husbands and wives that are affected by this kind of voice that I've been talking about, right? they end up experiencing unnecessary distance as a result of this. Oh, I didn't ask you. I thought it would be too much for you. Oh, I thought I was bothering you. I didn't want to be a burden. In the book of Psalms, chapter 27, verse 10, the Bible says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. I don't know what rejection or abandonment you faced, And I don't know what inner vows you made as a result of that and what you are hearing today with regards to the voice of abandonment. But the Bible is clear. It says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Being forsaken is not always outright abandonment physically. It's not about someone leaving you alone physically all the time. Often it is rejection through emotional distance. It could be rejection through comparison. It could be rejection through favoritism. Sometimes you are praised by a parent and they're energized when you're doing well. But you see their frustration and their disappointment when your performance is average. Hey, go for it, my son. Well done, my boy. Well done, my boy. And then if you do badly or you do average, what happens? You see their disappointment. So the result of this is that you develop a misbelief. And here's the misbelief. I have to be perfect to be loved. Here's some other parental voices, and you can tell me whether you can identify with any of these. You can do better than that. Now that might be a parent just trying to encourage you, okay? But if you tell yourself the wrong story, you might end up interpreting it as, I'm not good enough. And that's the voice you keep hearing. You can end up feeling really distressed, you see. And so parents don't necessarily say the wrong thing all the time, but children sometimes tell themselves their own story about it. And that's why it's so important for us to actually be conscious of how our kids are telling these stories and what stories we told ourselves based on what we heard. Another parental voice is stop making a fuss. Now, when parents want to help their children build resilience, they might say that, but sadly, they can end up suppressing their negative emotions. Children can end up doing so, suppressing their negative emotions. But the voice of the Good Shepherd allows us to run to Him. See, there are many parental voices that are not useful. And for each of them, think of what you would displace them with from Father God. One particular thing that uh, could be unuseful is the parental voice that you keep hearing saying, Stop moaning and get on with it. Just think about that. Stop moaning and get on with it. If you started it, finish it. But I do you know that there are times when God actually wants us to move on from a particular thing? Maybe we're going down the wrong path and we need to actually change direction. Wait your turn. Sometimes we've got this mindset that, you know what, I'm too young to do A, B, C, D. But says who? And sometimes we just think, it's not my turn in life. Another one is, you're in the way. A lot of people who are continuously being told they're in the way, they literally apologize for their presence some way. If you keep crying, I'll give you something to cry about. It becomes very difficult to express vulnerability. And there's some people who've got a very high pain threshold, but then it ends up causing problems in their lives because they end up ignoring that pain When it's time to move on from a distressful situation. Maybe you are familiar with this voice. Children must be seen not heard. I know certain people who grew up like that. Children must just be seen not heard. And now today they're sitting on mancos, they're sitting on excos, executive committees, and they literally will always wait for their boss to speak first and then they speak. They'll literally always wait for someone else who they deem to be more senior to say something, and then they'll make sure they always agree with that particular person. I'm giving you these examples so you see that the dominant voices in your head, the dominant voices in your heart, they affect how you hear, they affect how you see life, they affect the filters through which you interpret reality, and they literally end up controlling your behavior. How we see and how we hear is so important. And it starts off in the family setting. If you're a parent today, how are you training up your children to hear and see? If you're an adult today, how did you hear and see as you were growing up? Are you reinforcing the voice of the Father, the voice of Father God to those around you? My job is to keep asking myself, how does God see my children? Let me reinforce that. How does God see my wife? Let me reinforce that. Not just the love, but also the delight. As you think of these inner voices that have affected you, ask yourself these questions. Are these inner voices, inner villages, helping me or harming me? Are they helping me or hindering me? Another key question. How do I act these out in my current relationships? How does it play out in my current relationships? Another key question, what inner vows have I made in order to protect myself from the pain inflicted by these voices? There's a friend of ours, and um, he's about 71 years of age now, and uh, he tells me an interesting story. He says, Paul, when I was growing up, my father would mock me when I was playing, I think it was baseball. It was an American sport. He's an American guy. And he said, he would. my father would mock me, Paul. And I made an inner vow that never again am I going to place myself in a position where I can be mocked or ridiculed. So for many years, I would just be in the background. That's what this guy said to me. I'll just be in the background. And he embraced this as part of his personality. Hey, I am the background guy. I'm a servant leader. I don't have to be in the limelight. Until he dealt with that inner vow. It was a self-protective vow to protect him from being mocked or ridiculed. And some of you listening to this, you're the kind of person where the reason you're afraid, for example, you get stage fright, it's not because you can't speak in front of people, but it's because of the fear of being mocked or ridiculed. See, often we assume it's the fear of failure, but often it's the fear of being mocked or ridiculed because of the mocking that happened as you were growing up. What voice needs to displace that counterfeit Um, counterfeit mocking voice. It's the voice of the father. The voice of the father needs to be dominant in our lives. And it's in the incubator of family where we reinforce the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus, the voice of father God, his perspective of things. So those are parental voices. And it's interesting when this friend of ours dealt with that in a vow that he had made, I mean, he's got a successful organization, he speaks all over the world, he's very comfortable being in situations where he could potentially be mocked or ridiculed, but he's no longer afraid. So those are parental voices. The second type of inner villager I want to talk to you about is infantile voices. Infantile voices. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now we know today that there are many men who have not yet put the ways of childhood behind them. I'm not talking about being childlike. I'm not talking about what Jesus describes as a childlike humility. I'm talking about being childish. And that's what the scripture is speaking of. And these are infantile voices that grown-ups even have today. You see, sometimes we react to pain, the pain we had when we were young, and then we get stuck in those ways, right, uh, through those same wounds that triggered us when we were young. And this ends up affecting family life today. And that's why we think, oh, they're so immature of her, but we're talking about a 50-year-old. So my question to you is, how does a child talk? How does a child reason? How does a child think so many fights today between adults, siblings, and uh, spouses are because of these infantile voices that are now dominant. When I counsel couples, sometimes I see certain situations and I think to myself, but that's very immature. You guys are competing with each other like your kids, okay? Let me share with you some common infantile voices. My car is better than yours. That's an infantile voice. Because remember when we were at school, when we were growing up, it's like, oh, my dad's car is better than your car. I remember when I went to boarding school at a young age, I remember some of the discussions we would have, who's better, the townies or the farmers? There were a lot of farm kids uh, who owned farms, and it's like, oh, we are are better than you guys because we provide the food. Oh, we're better than... And there were those discussions, and we had some wealthy kids who would just say, well, I'm both. We live in town, but we also have farms, Right. My car is better than yours. But the way it translates in our adult years is my church is better than yours. My pastor is better than yours. And it comes through quite a lot. And sometimes you find that someone doesn't say that to you. But when they say something like, oh, we now live in this estate and we're grateful for that, you are hearing it through the infantile lens of, oh, she's just showing off. But she's not showing off. I'm so blessed. I found my Mr. Right. We're getting married next year. Oh, she's such a show off. She thinks she's better than us. Okay. It's an infantile way of thinking. All right. Or what about this one? I'm no longer playing. All right. And we often say that when we're kids because we're starting to lose. You know, those kids, I don't know if your kids are like that when they're starting to lose and then they're like, I don't want to play anymore. The sad thing is this also happens in churches today. Sometimes a pastor can correct someone and then the person decides I'm leaving the church and they might decide they're leaving the church because they feel the shame and embarrassment of not being perfect and it's important to explore these things to say is there an infantile uh, counterfeit voice speaking to you at this moment okay or are you able to be corrected very important And sadly, the cycle starts again elsewhere, okay? They leave and then the cycle starts again elsewhere, right? What about this one? Leave me to do what I want to do. I don't need your help. Now, that's not maturity. That's a a child who's asserting his independence. But true maturity is seen in interdependence, isn't it? Hey, I'm weak in this area. Can you help me? I'm strong in this area. I think I can help you, okay? I don't need your help. I can do it on my own. Are these some of the things that you end up saying? And think of the times you say these things. Think of the choices you're making when you're in that mode. Often you're in a triggered state, you're experiencing some kind of wounding, and then you talk like a child. You have not done away with childish ways. You see, the mindset here is that asking for help is a sign of weakness. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm not going to do what you say. And it's interesting because some adults that were forced to do things when they were young become stubborn in this way. Okay, there's a root of rebellion in them, right? Sometimes there's that comparison. At least my room isn't such a mess like hers is. The mentality of a child tends to have wrong assumptions. I have to be on top or else you will be. Well, why can't we both be on top? You see, a child doesn't understand the abundance mindset behind the reciprocal nature of power, that I become more powerful as a person, as I give away power, as I share power, because I empower you to empower me to empower you. And the more power I'm giving away, the more power I'm sharing, the more powerful I become because I'm surrounded by more powerful people who want to help me. Kids don't understand that. So this wrong assumption leads to envy. It leads to jealousy. And we see this when we praise one child and then the other tries to balance it. We keep reinforcing it to our children, right? Just because I'm praising this one, it doesn't mean that this one is bad, okay? Let's join in in praising this one when they've done something good. Sometimes we'll praise one of our kids and another one will say, but I can do that. That's easy. Trying to balance it out. Praising the one shouldn't take away from the other. Another child, t- childish mentality is, I want yours. It's coveting. I want yours. And this mindsta- mindset, it stops you from being happy for others. It gets to you when someone experiences good things. Sometimes it stems from this mindset of, it's not fair. And this is actually a childhood mentality that's built on a fallacy, isn't it? Life isn't fair. Each of us, we're running our own races, aren't we? Right? Run your own race. Instead of saying, it's my turn to get a promotion. How come they've had two promotions and I haven't yet had mine? Well, you're on a different journey. It's my turn to have a party now. (laughs) Life doesn't work that way. All right? So my question to you is, as I'm sharing with you these infantile voices, When was the last time you felt this way? Who else in your childhood behaved like this, where you might be feeding off someone else? Where did you learn this reaction? You see, when you figure out how you learned a particular thing, it becomes easier for you to unlearn it. What are the words of the Good Shepherd to you in these situations? Something to think about. And I want to talk to you about the voice of the Big Brother, Big Brother Voices, Or even big sister voices. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20 to 31, it says, We're talking about the prodigal son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And is found so they began to celebrate now this is so powerful because that reflects god's heart you might have messed up you might have made mistakes but he delights in you This is a father who doesn't just love his son this is a father who expresses delight but then there's the big brother now not all big brothers are like this so if you're the first born in your family please i'm not talking about you i've got a wonderful big brother okay um, now watch this. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Can you see? He's a bit of a party pooper, right? He hears feasting and he's like, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So it seems like the servants understood these things. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. He refused to celebrate. Can you see the envy that's there? Okay. Very often the voice of the big brother is the voice of envy, right? So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Can you hear the self-righteousness there? that comes through. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. Can you see that he was also infantile in his thinking because he's thinking everything must be fair, right? Treat me in exactly the same way as you're treating him. Different journeys. My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. You see, the thing about the voice of the older brother, the older brother syndrome, he doesn't understand what he actually has. I want to encourage you, if you want family life to go well for you, have a revelation of the love of the father. Have a revelation of the father's delight. Have a revelation of everything you actually have. Bible tells us we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It just puts you at ease. There's no envying. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, here's the thing. Imagine if the prodigal son had dwelt on the voice of the big brother. He would have said like, oh, my big brother is not happy with this. So I'm going back to the pigsty, right? And many of you today, because of that voice of the big brother, because it's so dominant in you, and the voice of Father God, the voice of the good shepherd is not, you are now going back to the pigsty. You're not enjoying that celebration of life like this son ended up enjoying. Don't listen to the voice of the big brother. Listen to the voice of Father God. You see, often the big brother's voice is the voice of envy. They're people that get promoted, but then end up feeling ashamed of it because of envious big brothers around them at work. Sometimes the big brother voice is the voice of shaming and ridicule. For example, this big brother would talk about the past of this particular prodigal. And maybe that's the voice you hear. Hey, you're not worth it. Look at the mistakes that you've made. On other occasions, it's actually the voice of unfair comparison. Look how much work I've done. What have you done? How have you helped your father? So how you interpret this voice will affect your self-esteem. The self-righteous big brother might say something like this. You don't deserve that promotion. You don't deserve that. Right? You got that unfairly. They treated you this way because, yeah, the, the, the boss just likes you. So they're not recognizing the favor of God on your life. Right? Oh, it's fine for now, but you'll see how tough it actually is in the real world. You have it easy right now. And as a result, you end up second guessing yourself continuously. The big brother voice likes to say, you owe me one. I protected you. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be here. Imagine all the other things this big brother would have been saying. I don't know if the big brother changed his mind. I don't know if he changed his attitude. As time went on, I don't know how this whole thing would have ended if Jesus extended this particular parable, right? You need me to, uh, to hook you up with the right people. That's the voice of the big brother. Not acknowledging God's hand on your life. Now, this is a strong voice that keeps people in gangs and it keeps them in other subcultures. The fleshly big brother voice can be manipulative, It can be domineering and it can be controlling. Okay, for example, when the big brother is behaving badly. Yeah, I'm doing this and you can see me, but you better not snitch. You see, the reality is that often if you grow up having siblings ridiculing your opinions, you tend to keep those opinions to yourself. People are being influenced like this. And it's not only big brother, it's also big sister. I was coaching someone recently, someone who's in his 30s. And he would say, Paul, the reason I'm sensitive in this particular area, I think it's because of my sister. He had a sister who was a bit of a bully and she would insult him and that's impacted him. Now, I've shared with you three major types of counterfeit voices. okay, Parental voices, infantile voices and big brother voices. Try to explore other voices from your past that need to be displaced by the voice of the Good Shepherd. For example, the voice of the former boss, the voice of that bully, the voice of your peers. I don't know what voice is affecting you. And ask yourself are there any inner vows I'm developing because of all these voices? God wants to deliver us. And I'm telling you right now, in our family setup, Right now, we need to be so conscious of this. I say this to my kids, and I've mentioned it a few times. The last thing you want is to have one of your brothers going for counseling later on in life because of the pain and the wounding that you inflicted on him. Okay? Now, something powerful to remember is that people often do things for themselves, not to you. So don't take things personally. Okay? They're often doing things for themselves themselves. If the person decides, I want to leave, I want to go here, I want to go there, I want to cut you out of my life, they're doing it for themselves, not to you. You're not a victim. Don't speak from a place of victim stance. See, our challenge is that we often remix what people do and say to us, and we allow that to impact us negatively. And that's why I'll say it again, we're not destroyed by our experiences, but we are destroyed by the story we tell ourselves of our experience. And so let me share with you some common patterns. Someone is angry with you? Instead of seeing them as, oh, they're angry, they've got a particular issue, oh, they've got a bad temper, what happens? You feel rejected and ashamed. That's a common pattern. Or you're criticized They've got their opinion that they're passionate about, right? But what happens? You end up thinking, I'm no good, and you end up vowing never to try that thing again. You receive a complaint. Maybe you work in customer relations at work. You receive a complaint. As a result, you feel incompetent, you blame yourself, and then you become hyper vigilant and self protective. And you literally want to avoid customers. Or perhaps you're not invited to a function. So what happens? You end up thinking, I'm socially awkward. And then self-hatred creeps in. And you literally put your pepper, your ketchup, your tomato sauce, whatever it is, you place it on what's just happened. Oh, it's because I'm fat. Oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. The person didn't say that. You just weren't invited to a function. And that's why a key thing to always ask yourself is what else could be true about a situation? What else could be true? I want to show you as I land this message how to displace the counterfeit voices. If you've been negatively affected by these voices in your life, it's time to start meditating on the words of the Lord concerning you. So if your inner villages cause you to feel inferior, look at Joshua 1 verse 5 says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Imagine receiving that. Here's Joshua. He's thinking like Moses was a legend, right? Maybe he's feeling inferior. But the voice of Father God to him was, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Are you in a space where you're feeling inferior? Displace those thoughts of inferiority. Maybe they come from that big brother voice in your life. Remove that counterfeit and displace it with Father God's words over you. If your inner villages cause you to feel overwhelmed and abandoned, John 14, 16, this is what Jesus says, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever powerful. If your inner villages cause you to doubt Christ as your source of rest and refreshing, John 4.14 says, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You don't have to go to other spirits or anything else. Go to the Spirit of God. Go and drink from Jesus. He will refresh you. If your inner villagers place burdens on you that Christ has not placed, where you just feel like, I have to do more, I have to do more, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Matthew 1129 29 to 30, this is Jesus, the voice of the good shepherd. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Powerful. If your inner villages make you feel like God is stingy and that God is against you, look at Romans 8 31 to 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is God's abundance, God's generosity. He's for us and he gave us his best, that is his son. He'll graciously give us all things. Go to God with that type of prayer. He's not the stingy father. If your inner villages make you feel worthless because of your age. Matthew 19 verse 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. If you think I'm too young for that type of ministry, I'm still too young, I'm a child. Look what Jesus says. He was inviting those children to come. They sat on his lap. Interestingly, the disciples were the ones who would say, hey guys, you know, it's like you're being a nuisance. Stop disturbing, you know, this important business. And Jesus spoke into that situation. If your inner villages make you feel like you don't deserve joy, or pleasure. There's some people like that, by the way. They've got what's called hedonophobia. They're afraid of experiencing pleasure. All right. John 15, 11 says this. This is Jesus speaking. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus wants us to be full of joy. The Bible says he's given us all things together for our enjoyment. He wants you to enjoy life. Now, remember that all of these things that I'm talking about, they're a choice. It's all a choice. You see, we choose to remain in his love. We choose all these things as we meditate on God's word. In John 15 verse 9, Bible says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. You see, many of us, we know that God loves us, but we don't remain in his love. We don't remain steadfast in his love. It's a choice that you can make. In conclusion, I want to encourage you, make a decision today. Firstly, to displace all counterfeit voices with the voice of the Good Shepherd. Secondly, observe and monitor what you say to others in your family and beyond. Because if you're not reinforcing the voice of the Good Shepherd, then keep quiet and ask God to give you His words. I want to encourage you to do so. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the words you continuously speak to us. Thank you for the voice of the Good Shepherd. May we become familiar with this voice. May we know this voice. May we embrace this voice. May you open our ears so that we are alarmed when we hear the counterfeit voices, so that we truly displace them we truly eject these inner villages from our lives and we truly embrace your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.